This week is the first of three that you guys get to be stuck with me. I told the first service, I said, uh, I promised Steve that I wouldn't burn the building down. So anything that happens other than that is a blessing in disguise. So there we go. Uh, but it, it's kind of cool. I get to do my own series, uh, which has been a lot of fun for me over the next three weeks. And, and I'm, we're doing this series that I am calling Masterpiece. And really what it is is that... I, I want us to gain an understanding. I want us to learn to believe in our hearts that we, that you, are valuable. Now, this is a topic that I think that a lot of us can pretend, be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't even need to listen. But can I just say that confidence is different than feeling that you are valuable, See, I'm a pretty confident guy. In fact, I can tend to be narcissistic at times. But this is probably the greatest lesson that God is still teaching me. It's something that I believe we all need to hear. And my, my hope and prayer for you is that you'll listen for God's heart and my words today and that you will get a glimpse of yourself the way that God sees you. Behind me is a print of one of the most famous paintings in our history. It is a, just a, a snapshot of the Sistine Chapel that was painted by Michelangelo. And for those of you that are younger, I'm not talking about the Ninja Turtle, in case you were confused. This guy was a Renaissance painter, uh, and he got this commission to do the Sistine Chapel. And can I say, he didn't just show up one day and hope for the best. He prepared for what he was going to do. In fact, he probably spent years becoming the artist that would be able to do something like this. And actually, he gave it thought. He thought about how he would do it. He thought about what he would paint. Now, he used this method called, I'm probably saying this wrong, you apologize, in, in advance, called fresco, which I thought was a drink, but there we go. Uh, anyways, he used this, this thing where basically they, they painted on wet plaster that it would give the painting depth. I thought that was really cool. And, and actually, he didn't want to paint lying down. So they, they kind of credit him in some places for inventing this type of scaffolding that would allow him to paint standing up. And really what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is that masterpieces just don't happen by mistake. And I believe that the same is true of you. I believe that we are all masterpieces. We are all works of art from the master painter. And I believe that none of us are mistakes. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I even formed you in your mother's womb, I knew all about you. Before you drew your first breath, I had already chosen you. This is telling us that you are the planned artwork of a master painter. Before forming you in your mother's womb, God took the time to think of you. Before he began working inside your mother's womb, God chose you and says, I want you. You are not a mistake. Any notion that you might have been unplanned or unwanted is simply a lie. You are the masterpiece. And this is where I would like to pause and say that if I were sitting in your seat, listening to what I'm saying, I'd say, oh man, that is, that is some really great sentiment, Pastor, but I don't believe you. I don't, I don't see that. 
I don't feel that. I don't experience that. So I don't, I don't see how that could possibly be true. But I think that God is showing me in my life that the metrics that I've been using that to say how much I'm worth are completely wrong. That God is showing me that my worth and that your worth is not found in what we can give to the world, but rather what God has given to us. You say, well, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Glad you asked, okay? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. That's, that's where I want to rest. Now, those of you that are outline people, you might be a little confused. So I switched the first point to the last point and the last point to the first point. So I just wanted to make it a challenge, okay? We'll see, we'll see, how, you can, we'll see how you go. So we're going to start with the last point, okay? Your worth is in his grace, not in your flaws and failures. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Let's say I were to take a painting that was worth $1.4 million, and I were to send it through a shredder, okay? I would shred it to pieces. What do you think that would do to the value of the painting? think it would ruin the value of the painting. You think, would it not? Well, that's where you'd be wrong. There's an artist that goes by the name Banksy who made a painting and put it in a frame that when it was sold at auction, it would immediately begin shredding itself. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine being at an auction and you just spent $1.4 million on a painting that literally starts to shred itself? Can you imagine the horror? But can I tell you, you know what's crazy about this? This painting is now in an art museum, and it is now believed to be worth double what it used to be worth. <laughs> can I say that the same thing is true of you and I? Your flaws and your failures do not ruin your value. Because the value that is in you has been placed in you by God. And I'm telling you, that cannot be stolen or lost. There's nothing that you can do and there's nothing that can be done to you that has the power to take your value away. And maybe you're like, Pastor Will, <laughs> you, know, you don't even know me. You don't know where I've been. You, you don't know the depth of my sin and my, my failure. You, you don't know what's been done to me, the sexual abuse, the physical abuse, the mental, emotional abuse, the, the abandonment, the neglect. You know, you're right. I may not know you, but I do know God's word and I know his promise. And this is what it says. It's Isaiah 62, 1 through 4. For your sake, I, Jesus, will not be silent. For your sake, I will not rest until you are a bright light of hope because you've been made right before God. Until your salvation is a consuming fire, a righteous fire that will be seen by every nation and every king, you will no longer be bound to who you used to be, for I will give you a new name straight from the very mouth of God. You shall be a diamond in the hand of the Lord. Yes, a royal crown in the hands of God. No longer will you be abandoned. No longer will you be forsaken. No longer will you be neglected. No longer will your life be desolate or wasted. For you shall be called my good pleasure. For the Lord delights in you and in my kingdom you will dwell. Did you hear that? No longer bound to who you used to be. Y'all, that's 
grace. You know, my favorite definition of grace is that is receiving that which you do not deserve. And grace is different than mercy. So let's say you get pulled over by a police officer for speeding. Mercy is not getting a speeding ticket. Grace would be that cop handing you a hundred bucks and say, eh, I feel like giving you a hundred dollars. That's grace. Grace is receiving something that we simply don't deserve. That while we were sinners... Christ died for the ungodly. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Listen, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Nothing in your past has the power to take away your value, partly because God's not done with you yet. And he is faithful and just to complete the work that he started in you. So basically what I'm saying is, is that you are a masterpiece still in the making. And it's partly because we serve a God, thank the Lord, that forgets the past. We have a Savior that paints over in blood red. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. See, our flaws and failures are not weakness, but they're opportunities for Christ to be in us. And I would argue that makes us more valuable. You are his masterpiece. Let me give you another one. Your worth is in his truth, not in opinions. Now, growing up, I did, in our house, we didn't have cable TV. And when I say that, I mean that we watched a lot of PBS, okay? A lot of PBS. And, I, you know, I'd be jealous as a kid. I had all my friends talking about all of these cool cartoon shows they watched on, on cable TV. And all I can talk about is Arthur. Okay, I don't know if anybody can relate to me on that one. Okay, that's the only thing I got to watch. But there was a show that was on PBS that, that me and my brothers loved. We would sit there and watch this show. And I, you're probably going to judge me when I say this. So it's fine. The show was the Antiques Roadshow. Okay, I don't know if anybody's seen this. Basically, they, they, people bring in these items to these experts, and they tell them how much it's worth. And, and me and my brothers, we would get into heated arguments. I mean, I mean, we're brothers. We turn everything into competition. That's what we do. We would get in these heated arguments about whether or not something was valuable or not and how much it was going to be worth. And it just blew my mind because there's, there's times where somebody would bring something in that just looked beautiful, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this thing's going to be worth so much money. And they're like, actually, this is one of like six million, and it's not worth anything at all. And I'm like, what? And then there'd be some dude that came off the street that's got this nasty-looking whatever, and he brings it in, and, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, why does he even show up to the show? And then, then he gives it to the expert, and the expert's like, oh, man, do you know what you have here? And it ends up being worth like $10,000. And I'm like, are are you kidding me? Sometimes I wonder if in our life we're letting idiots sitting on the couch tell us about what our value is. But what do they know? Why would we listen to anybody about our value other than the expert? Other than God? Why would we want to listen to anybody else? Why do we seek to hear from others what only God knows? Have you been listening to the opinions of other people? Now my question is, what, what do they know? What do they know about your value? Now, 
Follow me here. I promise it leads to something. So I was at the Global Leadership Summit. And I'm sitting there, and this guy's talking about a urinal that he's trying to develop. And he's talking about this urinal. I'm sorry, ladies, if I lose you here. But he's talking about one of those urinals that, like, start at the top and go all the way to the floor. I don't know that I've seen one of these things since I was in grade school. And he's explaining how he wants to build a urinal that has a station right there where you can wash your hands. And I'm thinking, this guy has lost his mind. This might be the worst invention I've ever heard in my entire life. And then he began to explain it. And he said, this is what you do. You go and you use the bathroom, but then when you wash your hands, the water that you're using to wash your hands flushes the toilet, and that's how we can conserve water. And I'm thinking, this guy's a genius. I would have, I would have never... <laughs> I would have never in a million years thought anything like that. Can you imagine? What if the same thing is true of you? What if other people don't see your value because they don't understand who you are and what gifts you've been given? Their ability to understand you is short-sighted at best. And, and I, honestly, I don't care what anybody's told you because they're wrong. Whether it's been a teacher, a parent, or a peer, maybe somebody said that you were ugly or stupid or that you'd never amount to anything. I'm here on behalf of God to say they're full of it. They don't know what they're talking about. It's a lie. They couldn't be more wrong because people only see circumstances where God sees the heart. Now, maybe that's not it. Maybe you've been listening to the opinions of the world. Maybe you feel worthless because you don't line up with the world's standards. When you scroll through Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram, the only thing you ever see is what you're not. Why would you let that poison into your life? And maybe you've just been listening to the whispering of Satan's opinion, who's trying to convince you that your sin is too great, that you're not worthy of heaven. Man, have you read the Bible? God uses people all the time that are not worthy. Don't let Satan rob you of the reality of an overwhelming grace. And don't buy in to the guy who's called the father of lies. He's called that for a reason because all he ever does is lie. Don't listen to him. But maybe that's not it for you. Maybe for most of us, the worst thing is that we've been listening to our own opinion. The problem is, is that we question our own value. We question our own beauty because the problem is, is that we have mirrors. And sometimes when we look in that mirror, we see everything that we're not. We don't see our value. <laughs> what do you know? You didn't give yourself value. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says this. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God shows what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. To me, the scripture, all this is saying is that the world doesn't have a clue. And you don't have a clue because God has taken what is ugly and made it beautiful. God has taken what is broken and he's redeemed it. That with God, all things are possible, which means that it's possible that there's hidden value in you that you can't even see. God created you, and he gave you value. And all of us are ignorant apart from the truth of God. There's a story in Scripture that I, I really, really love, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with it, but just in case you aren't, 
there's a story called the prodigal son. And it, it's just this, this younger son is living in his house with his dad. And he just says, Dad, basically, I want you to treat me like you're dead. I want you to give me my inheritance now because I, I want to leave and I kind of want to live on my own. I want to do my own thing. And that's what he does. His, his dad gives him his, his inheritance. He, he goes off to a foreign land. And it says that he, he loses it all in wild living. And you guys know this. Once you're broke, you don't got no friends. At least not the fake ones. Right? And so he's, he's kind of sitting in this pigsty moment here. And he's looking at these pigs eating. And he goes, man, wow, this looks delicious. I'm, and then he has like this aha moment. Like, uh, okay. This is, this is not good. I, and this, this, this aha moment is captured in Luke 15. I want to share it with you. So when he finally came to his senses, aha, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home and I'll say to my father, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him, and he kissed him. This is the one thing I want you to see. There's a lot of really powerful stuff in this story. I want you to focus on one thing. I want you to see the difference between how the son saw himself and how the father saw him. Okay, the father didn't see a servant. He didn't see the dirt. He didn't see the mistakes and failures. He saw a lost prince. And so maybe when you look into the mirror, all you see is broken and dirty and unworthy, but that's not what God sees. It's not how he views you. And all I'm asking for you to do today is to trust the expert. You know, it makes me ask the question, what parts of our life are we accepting simply because we don't think we're worth more? But don't let yourself dictate what you think you deserve. And I wish for a moment, even if just a moment, you could see yourself the way that God sees you, that you could see the truth of your own beauty and your own giftedness, and you would begin to realize that you were made in his image, that you are a reflection of the divine, that you are his workmanship, and that you are so, so valuable to him. And no one else's opinion is reliable in that other than his. Only the truth of God. And if you could see that truth, it would set you free. You are not just his masterpiece. You are a piece of the master. Let me give you one more. Your worth is in his love, not in your circumstances. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed this. When, when Pastor Steve is preaching, there's a lot of times where he comes out and says, I don't know if you've heard this story on the news lately. I've never heard any stories that he's ever talking about. <laughs> Apparently, I don't watch the news, or I don't watch the news you watch. But this, this actually might be a story that you're familiar with. In 2010, in Chile, there was a mine that had a cave-in, and 33 men were trapped 2,300 feet underground for 69 days. Y'all, I've had a dog for three weeks and I'm going crazy. These dudes were trapped underground for two months. Can, can you imagine that? 
And, and I don't know, maybe this is just me because I'm weird about hygiene and whatever, but the first thought I had is, can you imagine how bad these dudes smelled? Being trapped underground for that long? In a mine, they were probably disgusting. They smelled awful. They probably looked awful. I mean, who, who knows? But can, can you imagine on the 69th day when those guys came up from under the ground and their families got to see them for the first time and they were so excited and they ran over to them and they embraced them? You know why? They didn't care what they smelled like. They just wanted to hold their daddy. They just wanted to hold their husband. They didn't, they didn't care about any of that stuff. Do you understand that that's your story? We get so good at looking at ourselves and going, oh my gosh, look, look at this. God doesn't see you that way. God wants to embrace you even in the dirt, even in the smell. The same is true of you. Your value is not tied up in your presentation. It's not tied up in how pretty you are or how nice you're dressed. It's not tied up in, in how much money is in your bank account, whether you're rich or whether you're broke. It's not tied up in what family you're born into, whether or not you're an orphan or if you're one of the Duggars. Your value is not tied up in how talented you are, whether or not you work for Cirque du Soleil or whether you're a couch potato. It's not tied up in your title or your career, whether you're homeless or you're the president. It's not tied up in how smart you are, whether or not you're valedictorian or just a dropout. All these things, yes, can be blessings and curses. Yeah, sometimes these things might be able to make life easier. And what you can do can be a great thing. And all these things can be things that are used to determine your value as far as the world's concerned. But absolutely none of them, none of these circumstances are reliable indicators of who you are and the value that's inside you. This Christmas, you know, Christmas is one of those times where obviously sometimes we hear the birth story too much and you just kind of get sick of hearing it. I'm one of those weird people that I listen to Christmas music all year round. It's okay. You still love me anyways. Get over it. But this year, God showed me something that I'd never seen before. I'm reading the, the story and I'm just starting to see like, Man, God is making a big deal out of baby Jesus, okay? And it's, it's just a baby. He's, he's calling, he's telling the wise men to come. He's telling the shepherds about it. Here in the scripture here in Luke 2, it says, And suddenly with, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and, and saying glory to God in the highest. Like, can you imagine what it would be like to have the, the angels singing backup choir when you were born? That'd be pretty awesome. And then God puts this like little cherry on top, this giant star right above Jesus' head, almost to say, come and see my boy. Like he's so proud, like a proud father. But y'all, this is six pounds, seven ounce baby Jesus. He hadn't done anything yet. He hasn't passed the test in the desert. He hadn't saved anybody. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't defeated death in a grave. He hadn't, hadn't remade the temple, but God's love for him is not wrapped up in his circumstances. It's wrapped up in who he is, and neither is yours. Listen, he was a baby from Nazareth in swaddling clothes, literally lying in a horse trough. Those are not great circumstances. But that's the baby that God loved so much, the baby he wanted the world to see, the baby that he allowed to die on a cross 
so that we could live. See, your worth isn't in your circumstances. Your worth was posted on a cross. When the world said, ah, you're just a bunch of worthless sinners, God said, no, I object. They're not. And in fact, I'm going to prove it. I'm going to send my son on the cross because they are so valuable. Your worth is not about what you can give or who you are. It's about who God is and what he's done for you. You know, one, one time I was watching the Antiques Roadshow and this guy had brought this like little piece of pottery and the expert was giving it to look over and he just, he was just kind of being negative, okay? A little too negative for me and I can tend to be negative and he's just being nasty and he's got this pot and he's giving it a hard time. Then he looks at the bottom and he notices a signature and then his demeanor changes. All of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh. Look what we have here. This is an original piece by this artist. Oh my goodness. I mean, it just completely changes. All of that changes simply because of who the artist was. Do you understand that that same is, is true of you? Regardless of the chips and what it looks like, it doesn't matter because on your soul is written the signature of God. His grace, his truth, his love. So if you're not feeling valuable, the, the, the best way to change the way you feel is to re be reminded of who your artist is and to draw closer to God. How can we possibly understand the value that is placed inside us if we never spend time with the one that made us and gave us value? And I know it's not easy. And I know sometimes it's a mental thing, sometimes it's even a medical thing. But we've got to learn to be people that cling to the word of God, that cling to the promises of God over the way that we feel. I don't know where you are this morning. And I know it's easy to say, ah, oh, this just isn't for me. But can I tell you, in my deepest, darkest moments, this is what I struggle with. It's easy to sit here and think, mm, feeling pretty good today. But whether or not I mean anything to the world, it's hard. Whether or not I matter, whether or not I'm valuable, I think for the longest time I was looking at the wrong metrics. I'd forgotten about God's love forgotten about his grace, about his truth, and what that means for me. And I hope that today is just a reminder of an incredible God that loves you like you don't even understand. And I hope that you leave today at least having seen a glimpse of just how valuable you are to him. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for all that you are. Thank you so much for all that you've communicated to us through your word. You know, if you were just God, that would be enough. But you're so much more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for seeing the value in us when you could have given up on us, when you could have left us alone, 
You sent the thing that you love the most in this world to die on a cross so that we would understand how valuable we are to you. Lord, as we leave from this place, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to leave with a changed attitude that maybe we, we came in today like that expert with a negative, bad attitude. But Lord, today I hope that you would remind us whose name is written on our heart. That you would help change our attitude. That you would help us to live like the sons and daughters, the, the princes and princesses that you've created us to be. That you would help us to have those, those aha moments that we would understand that even though we, we see this, this dirt and this mess, that Father God, we'd understand that all you see is somebody that needs a hug. We love you. We praise you. In your holy name, amen.